Welcome everyone to a Monday edition of Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. They are your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team who are ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. Uh, we are getting ready for NHL free agency coming up on Wednesday, and one of the teams that probably won't be that active, uh, the Montreal Canadiens, but they had a wild draft weekend, and so here to help us talk about all of this is uh, going to be Andrew Berkshire from Game Over Everything. Um, one of the he's been awesome to work with. I obviously doing Game Over Calgary. I've uh, been able to, to work with him. He's been awesome to work with and uh, really appreciated him giving his insight on what's going on with the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, you'll have that conversation coming up here. Thank you all so much for tuning in and I uh, hope you enjoy some Montreal Canadiens content on a Monday. Very pleased to welcome to the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio, the manager of Game Over, the host of Game Over Montreal, and uh, someone whose Twitter bio also says, I promise I'm a nice guy. Uh, he is Andrew Berkshire. Andrew, how are you today? I'm doing great. Uh, kids are at daycare after a weekend with my uh, sister-in-law and her family visiting here. So it was a tough one this morning convincing everyone to say goodbye, but uh, we got them there. Nice, nice. Um, pretty, pretty. I don't know. Honestly, don't know what we're going to talk about. Pretty standard weekend for Montreal. Nothing really newsworthy from the Habs. Very, <laughs> very, very calm. Um, I guess, first of all, after the draft lottery, it was the Montreal Canadiens won the Shane Wright sweepstakes. And then going into the draft, it was the Montreal Canadiens are going to take Shane Wright. And, and, and then they didn't. Um, I guess your reaction to the, the Montreal Canadiens to steal a wrestling term, swerving all of us on draft night. Yeah, it was a, a shock. You could tell in the crowd there was shock for about like maybe a second and a half. And then people went nuts for it. And I think people fell in love with Yurash uh, Slavkovsky right away. His personality is like very uh, confident, very fun. So I think that really helped. But there's definitely a bit of trepidation passing over the center who had like uh, exceptional status in the OHL. There's only one player who's ever received that and not turned into a very good player. So it's a bit of a, a tough one, a tough sell at this point, but I think the read from most people with this new Canadians management group is that they're extremely confident in their new player development program. And they see Slavkovsky as having the like, superstar quality that Shane Wright didn't necessarily have. Although I think if you can have a center who, you know, plays a 200 foot game, who's pretty much guaranteed to develop that way, that's a tough thing to pass up for a maybe, but if they are super confident that they can make that hit and they can develop Kirby doc, who they traded for right after into a solid top six center, then I get where they're coming from. It, it makes a little bit of sense, but it's very much a, you better figure out a way to make this work, right? right? It's like, if you mess this up, it's a huge setback to the rebuild. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if this works, we're, we're talking about this day when everyone's like skating around with a big silver trophy at the end. But yep. if, if this doesn't work, then they're writing books about this as my cat is demolishing things in here. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're writing books about this. And it, it's like the, the collapse of the great dynasty of the Munch, the failed, whatever, whatever. Like th th this is really like a, like you said, you best be right on this. Cause if you are not, then th this is 
like franchise altering for a while. Yeah, it is. And I think there's another factor in this that played into their decision making as much as they love Slavkovsky. It's Shane Wright's probably going to be in the NHL next year. Uh, from everyone that I've talked to, he's NHL ready. He's ready to be a top six contributor next year, which is huge. And the Canadians don't necessarily want to be good next year, right? They're, they've moved things around. They think Doc is a, a big project that's going to be, you know, a couple years in the making to get his confidence where it needs to be. He's a six foot four center taken third overall just three years ago. So there's something there, but it's not going to be immediate, right? He's not going to come to the Montreal Canadiens and be a 70 point player. That's not what they're expecting and not what they want, really. I think part of the like the calculus here is they want to be in the competition for Bedard, uh, Mitchkoff and Fantilli in this upcoming draft. And, you know, if they trade Jeff Petrie upcoming here, as we approach unrestricted free agency, whoever misses out on John Klingberg, right. We'll be probably searching for that. It's going to be pretty hard to be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Slavkovsky is not going to be in the NHL next year. Uh, he shouldn't be, he needs to develop significantly. Uh, they can afford to be patient with him. So there's, there's a lot to rebuild on that defensive group. And uh, the forward group is okay, but it's not knocking the shoes off anyone or the socks off anyone. So I think that played into it as well, that they can afford to be patient. So that they could not draft Connor Bedard next year. Uh, <laughs> and surprise us all again. Um, but no, like that, that is an extra, uh, an excellent point. And it's, it's something that a lot of people have talked about, like talking about exceptional status, Bedard is the first one out West here to, to get that. And he's seen like any highlight clip you see of this kid, holy crap he seems like the next one and if you are even remotely on the fence about are we going to be good or not ah, let, let, let's just suck for a year it seems like everyone is kind of going the let's just suck for a year out yeah I, I think anybody who has any questions about Connor Bedard they're answered very quickly by watching him take a couple shifts <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was what maybe three shifts into the world juniors where people were like oh okay and this yeah. kid's 16 like even like Sidney Crosby was decent at the world juniors when he was 16, but I don't think he had the start that Bedard did. And I know they only played two games, but Bedard just blew everybody away. And I think that his offensive uh, talent is just out of this world, the skill that he has. And then you look at uh, Mitchkoff and Fantilli and they're actually not far behind. And I've heard some uh, scouts say that Fantilli is right there with Mitchkoff in terms of like, franchise level player you could alter a franchise's uh, future so you got three potential franchise players at the top of a draft it's gonna be a weird year as yeah. much as last year you know the coyotes tried their hardest to tank i don't know if they can try as hard this year but there's gonna be a lot of teams that are just ready to be that da- to be bad this year and look, look at chicago chicago just imploded their team they're not even gonna qualify dylan strom <laughs> yeah and like it, it reminds me of Buffalo a couple of years or in the, the McDavid sweepstakes where a, any goalie who had the audacity to make 30 saves in a game was traded the next day. Like, it, <laughs> I, I think we're going to see some. How dare you be good, sir? You are moved for a sixth round pick. I think we're going to see some interesting moves made. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I, you know, I mean, I guess not fun. Fun's not the operative word <laughs> for teams trying to lose. But I, I do wonder if we see as much separation next year between like the good teams and the bad teams because this last year, it was quite the large gap. It, it seemed like there was a, a very severe cutoff, especially in the in the Eastern Conference between the playoff teams and the non-playoff teams. I think that water gets muddied a little bit, especially especially in the Atlantic with the injuries that Boston's going into the season with. And then like Buffalo, I think will be better. Detroit, I think will be better. 
Ottawa should be way better with the moves that they made uh, at the draft. Like getting Alex Brinkett, that gives them a potential 50 goal scorer. Like that's, that's something they haven't had since Danny Heatley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like what Ottawa has done for a little bit now, which is weird to say, cause I haven't for a long time before that. Yep. Um, you mentioned before Kirby doc, uh, he gets traded in a whirlwind of moves w- with Montreal. How, how do you see him fitting in long-term with this team? Yeah. I talked to a few people who like parse the data a little bit better than I do. And cause I didn't know a lot about him. Like I knew his name. I knew that he was like a promising young player for the Chicago Blackhawks but hasn't really hit Uh, this last year. He really, really struggled. Uh, Biggest struggle was in the face-off circle. He just was not like the numbers are really bad there. But if you go back to uh, his first cup of coffee in the NHL, apparently his uh, playmaking numbers are quite good. It just seemed like he wasn't in a good situation to, you know, grow his strengths and compensate for his weaknesses in Chicago. And I'm sure that the Montreal Canadiens will attempt to put him in a better situation whether that means he's going to spend the whole year in the NHL, who knows, right? With uh, Christian Dvorak and Nick Suzuki likely to play uh, all of next season with the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know. It, well, maybe Dvorak might get traded at the deadline, but to, like we might see Doc play sporadic third-line minutes until the trade deadline, and that's when we see him start to develop into a top-six player. There's less pressure on him to be an impact player. I think... You know, Chicago has had some players pop for them in recent years, but I think it's a tough development situation when you're a team that clearly is terrible, but you're trying to compete. And it's only like truly special players that can break through in that situation, like to break at like they, they just haven't been able to develop players uh, post this. They're like dynasty, right. Or like quasi dynasty. And they seem to be in denial until this year about what they actually are. Yeah, that, that's an excellent point. And it, it just it felt it just felt weird there the last couple of years. And I, I don't think that's changing over the next little bit. Um, yeah. Speaking of players who maybe didn't hit the way we thought they would, Romanov gets moved out, um, which kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Like it seemed like everyone was high on him until they weren't. Um, why, why didn't it work for, for Romanov in Montreal? Yeah, that's everyone was shocked, but I maybe we shouldn't have been because the people who are really high on Romanov was the last administration here. They talked him up more than any prospect in recent memory. They thought that he was going to be like the next thing. Right. And then you watch him play for a little bit and you're like, oh, you like him because he's just not that talented. (laughs) He can play a lot of minutes. He sometimes is good defensively. He hits a lot. He's big. But overall, I think his limitations will keep him from having a great career in the NHL. He's very much a Lou defenseman, uh, Lou Lamorello. So I'm not surprised they traded for him, but I think the, the hall that the Canadians got just, even if Kirby doc doesn't work out, finding a way to get what will likely be a third pairing defenseman in terms of talent, plus a third and fourth round pick for a six foot four center who was taken third overall in the draft. That's, That's pretty darn good asset management. But the thing with Romanov is he's getting better defensively bit by bit. Last year, he had a really good year on the PK, but that good defensive play or decent defensive play isn't enough to compensate for the fact that he does not transition the puck well at all. He's like really, really bad at it. And in the offensive zone, his contributions are pretty much every time he gets the puck, he shoots it into shin pads. He doesn't have much creativity or patience. And offense kind of dies on his stick. So 
if you can't generate offense, if you can't move the puck up the ice, you better be damn good defensively. Like Nick Jalmerson, prime Ed, Mark Edward Velasic. Those are the kinds of guys that can survive in the NHL for a long time without contributing uh, to transition player offense. And I don't see Romanov as being that good. Maybe he'll develop into being that good. But uh, right now, I don't see it. And I, I see a guy who's going to be stuck in a third pairing role most of his career. Well, and we talked about during the, the cup final on, on game over about the, the new wave of defensemen in the, the National Hockey League. And he's not that. And I'm not saying no. everyone needs to be Kale McCarr, but it, it's very clear, at least in my mind, where things are going. And he's going the other way. Yeah. Yeah. You want guys who can contribute basically acting as a forward, right? In the offensive zone and guys who can move the puck out, put, take some stress off your forwards, whether it's finding your forwards in transition or skating the puck out yourself. You want guys that have multiple tools that give you more avenues to create offense and prevent uh, your own team from being stuck in your zone. And Romanov struggles in, in all of those areas. So I think it's philosophically based on the draft itself, I think you can see where the Canadians are looking to build their defense group going forward. And it's guys like Lane Hudson, right? Who is, you know, a reach in that he's five, eight, it's a very small guy, but his offensive uh, capabilities are absurd. His ability to skate with the puck is absurd. So they're looking for home runs in this draft. Yeah. And I kind of love that. Well, and the, the athletic gave them an A plus grade, which I didn't see many of those in school, but I'm assuming they're good. Um, <laughs> like uh, the, this is kind of the first go around with, with this new management group. Um, and it, it sounds like there's at least a bit of confidence in what they were at least able to attempt uh, over the draft weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I would go A plus just because I think they took a very risky route, but. I like a lot of their picks. I've heard, I, I mean, I'm not a prospect expert by any means. And I, I like to say that up front because most of my time I spend looking at the NHL. And I think anybody who tries to sell you the idea that they're a full-time NHL cover uh, person who does full-time NHL coverage and they know everything about prospects is selling you something full of BS. So I lean on the people that I, I know who do good work watching these prospects. And one of the guys that I heard of, consistently throughout the year as extremely underrated and is going to be a surefire NHLer was Owen Beck. So when the Canadians took him in the second round, I was like, okay, great pick. Uh, Tony Ferrari from the hockey news does like uh, video breakdowns with players and asks them like, what was behind your decision this way? And he was telling me like, you know, some guys are like, I don't know. It's just my instinct. And Sometimes those are great players, but he said Owen Beck's one of the smartest players he's ever spoken to about breaking things down. And he was always finding new information to input going forward and like, oh, well, I did this and it was a good play, but was it the best play? And that's something that uh, Marty St. Louis has talked about a lot this year is finding the best play, not just a passable play. And I think that that marriage there with Owen Beck is going to be a very happy one when he makes the NHL. Yeah, that, that was one where it was like, oh, oh, I like that a lot. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not the, the prospect guy either, but just like you said, re reading people who are, they, they seem pretty high on him. Um, transitioning away from the, the future of this team to someone who is certainly a big part of the past and maybe the present. Um, this is a, a long conversation to have about Montreal without talking about Carey Price. Uh, he comes in late in the year last year. 
it, it certainly doesn't seem like, well, we have one of the, the better goalies in franchise history, but we're going to suck for a few years when we pay you $10.5 million. It, like just the, the whole thing doesn't seem to mesh. Where, where does Carey Price fit in with all of this? And I guess where does Montreal fit in with Carey Price in all of this? Yeah, there's not much clarity right now, but the fact that Jake Allen has been circling in the rumor wagons tells me that the Canadians are relatively confident that Carey Price is ready to go next year. Now, ready to go next year does not mean he's going to be back to his prime self playing 70 games a year. That time has passed. Uh, I believe the Canadians said recently that the plan is even if he's 100% healthy, that the plan would be like a max of 50 games. That would be like the top. And then it would probably be Sam Montembeau back or maybe Caden Primo sticking in the NHL for a while after his great run in the AHL last year. But I, I think that overall... Carey Price is expected to play this year. Whether or not he's expected to be great, you know, we'll see. If he is great, then maybe there's an avenue where a trade happens and the Canadians retain half and they kind of just ride that out over the course of the rebuild. But I would not be surprised to see Carey Price just stick around as a Montreal Canadian through the rebuild and help carry them through. I think he's very settled with his family here in Montreal. He's happy. He wants to compete for a Stanley Cup, yes, but I don't know if it's top of mind per se. I think Price is more focused on finishing out his career in a respectable manner. And if he comes back and say he feels healthy, but he just can't play at his standard, I wouldn't be surprised to see a midseason retirement, honestly. It, wow. I think he is a guy who wants to play as well as possible. And that doesn't necessarily mean winning games for this Montreal Canadiens team because they're still going to lose a lot. But if he doesn't can't play up to his own standard, I wouldn't be surprised to see him walk away. And then, you know, you don't have to worry so much about the cap. But uh, as much as the $10.5 million seems like a lot, I think when you're rebuilding, it, it doesn't really matter because the Canadians are going to spend to the cap anyway. And they're, they're going to move out other salaries. Jeff Petrie's likely to be gone. It sounds like Josh Anderson has a lot of suitors. You know, they've got expiring contracts. I would assume that UL Armia is going to be traded at some point next season if they can boost his value up. There's just a lot of moves to be made. I mean, Mike Hoffman is still there. Right. You know, Evgeny Dadnov will be traded at the deadline, most likely. He's making $5 million. So there's so much work to be done on this roster. I think Carey Price is maybe one area where there might be a little bit of consistency if he's able to play. Yeah, and... um excuse me that kind of leads into my my next thought is the the game plan now for Montreal going into the offseason it seems more about who's going to be on their way out than who's going to be on their way in yeah yeah that's definitely true it, it there's we know what the plan is kind of like you can see based on how they've made trades in the last year or so that uh, every trade seems to be a high pick and a prospect in their either 20 or 21 so it's like they want players breaking in shortly and then they want to build a stable for the future. So they're, they're trying to take as many players that have a decent shot at the NHL and see what they can do for like a development track to get them into the NHL sooner. And I think that's kind of fun because you're going to get to see like more players developing and breaking in and maybe a couple hitting uh, and you get to be excited about the young kids uh, being exciting and having no rules because Marty St. Louis is just going to let them fly out there but they'll still be bad. So it gives you something to look forward to. But uh, yeah, the offseason is 100% about who's going more than who's coming in. Uh, 
except for maybe like prospects. There's, there's definitely some eyes on players that they could acquire, but overall they might make a couple of free agency moves, especially on defense, just because I don't think you can reasonably go into next year with Joel Edmondson as your like number one defenseman <laughs> and expect to play NHL level hockey. But it kind of looks like that's what they're doing right now. Well, if you want to be bad, that's certainly a way to, to, to go about things. Um, I guess last one, like um, Marty St. Louis really did seem to have an effect. There's a lot of debate on, on NHL Twitter about how much a coach actually does affect things. He affected things, it seemed like, in a, a very positive way. It does seem like Montreal's found one in, in Marty St. Louis. Yeah, I think as much as like the, the underlying numbers went up under St. Louis for sure, and then they kind of went down again post-trade deadline after losing too many good players but the biggest impact i think he had is players wanted to play for him you know and dom ducharme for all his uh positives of you know scraping in a, a stanley cup final appearance it seemed like the players were never really sold on what ducharme was selling so marty st louis the players at the very least were having fun right and i think that in a lost season that's really important but you see cole caulfield going for one goal in 30 games to i think it was like 20 in, in the last 30, like absolutely nuts change. Right. Yeah. And I think that those kinds of things where you can let an offensive player roam free a little bit, make those reads, you talk constantly about making reads instead of uh, playing systemic, like relying on uh, muscle memory. It, it was more about like uh, allowing your offensive players or your, at least your good players to figure out what they should do and find the best play. I think in a couple of years, what we're going to see as well is players around the league maybe want to play for Marty St. Louis, especially offensive-minded players who've been crushed under a system that uh, doesn't necessarily let them play a way that they want to. But enough about the Calgary Flames. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think they, they had no problem in the regular season producing offense, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just that Pecksky playoff thing that uh, crap uh, creeped up again. Uh, Andrew, thanks, man. This was a, a lot of fun today. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can always find me at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter, and you can find all of my mo well, most of my work at uh, youtube.com slash SDPN. And you can check out my uh, link tree thing in my bio on Twitter, where I've got all the game over stuff linked and make sure to watch game over Calgary this upcoming season where Peter Klein and Audie James will bring you amazing analysis every single game. Yeah. I don't know what that team's going to look like that we're going to be analyzing, but uh, yeah. we'll, we'll be here. Sign Johnny. <laughs> Come on. I I think if it was up to them, they would have. But I, yes. I I have a feeling that that's not going to be the way this whole thing ends. But oh, uh, no. that, 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 that could be another show for another day. Uh, Andrew, thanks for this, man. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, that's the show. Once again, thank you to Andrew for coming on. Thank you to you for listening. We are going to have a Calgary Flames preview coming up tomorrow. And then Wednesday, it's a bit of a tricky day for me because I can't be doing anything during the day. I you know, the whole day job thing now. Um, hoping to have something coming out that night. And then Thursday, hoping to have a little bit more from you. And then Friday, hoping to have a little bit more for you as well. We kind of dropped the ball a little bit last week, but hoping to pick it right back up and keep on moving coming up this week. So thank you all so much. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, wherever possible and thank you to Clearwater Cleaning Solutions. They are your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. I will talk to y'all tomorrow. I'm out.